Jamie Stenton joined the police service at 20 years old in late 2005 and quickly established himself as one of the most proactive cops in his district. As a result, he was soon headhunted for CID and then promoted to sergeant in 2009. As sergeant, Jamie worked in a variety of roles, including response, neighbourhoods, proactive CID and serious crime, and was commended on several occasions for his work around organised crime groups in Cambridge City. In 2013, Jamie was promoted to Detective Inspector, where he worked as head of serious crime in Cambridge City before moving into the intelligence world, where he remained until achieving a temporary promotion to Chief Inspector in 2018. After a short period acting up, Jamie realised promotion within the police was not for him and decided to focus his attention and development on his family business, Lilac James. Lilac James is a marketing agency that specialises in SEO, which is search engine optimization, social media management and paid advertising to companies who typically turn over between 300,000 to 20 million. Jamie is a client also of Shifts to Success Cohort 3 and joined us in late April 2019. And since joining us, he has attracted national and international clients and achieved over 150% prof increase. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy this episode, Jamie Stenton. You've achieved all this and sometimes it's quite hard to forget. And you know, for the listeners who are going to listen to this, but don't forget, Jamie is not only a detective inspector with a full-time job, he's a husband and also you're a father to two kids, Jamie, right? Yep. Um, obviously, you do your hobbies. You've, you, know, you do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You've, you actually look after your uh, son's football team, I believe, as well. Paxton Panthers. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the common things, you know, we hear is that, you know, people haven't got the time to do and grow a business and start a business. And and yet people like you who are doing all these things with a family and with other responsibilities, you know, what advice would you give to those people who, who say they haven't got the time? Uh, if it's important, if it's important enough to you, you'll find the time. You can find time to, to build a business um, and to build a business that, that, that suits you. Um, you just have to make the time and be disciplined. The Shifts to Success podcast, a show about business, entrepreneurship and the people who've made remarkable shifts in their lives. So, Jamie, what I normally like to do is start off by asking our guests, um, where are you from and what was it like growing up as a child for you? Sure. Well, I grew up in a small town called St. Neots in Cambridgeshire. And, uh, yeah, childhood was, it was good. Um, you know, can't complain. My, my parents were both uh, sort of, I suppose, from working class backgrounds and uh, both got themselves professional jobs. Mum um when she was 28 did a marketing degree and uh sort of climbed up through the corporate world um ending up as a um a marketing manager for a national an international um marketing firm called nilfisk uh and my dad came out of the raf uh as an engineer and went into the space industry and did something to do with software i don't know exactly what but something to do with software um, in, in the space industry. So yeah, school was fine. Um, you know, I didn't, I was always told that I could do really well in my exams if I just focus and concentrate, but of course never did and just um, messed around. Um, 
but I, again, I did okay in, in my exams and things. And uh, I suppose part, a, a lot of the trouble is I, I always wanted to join the police. And at that time, you didn't need any qualifications. So when people would say, you know, you could, you could get this A, and I'd be like, well, I don't need an A. You know, so mm. I, you know, I'm perfectly happy with the C. Um, which I know now is, is silly, but um, it is what it is. Mm. Okay, so so growing up as a as a kid, you know, what age would you say you really want to become a police officer? Uh, it was I was fifteen years old. Fifteen yeah. years old, and you like, no, this is going to be my path. And um, you know, was there any kind of influence from you know other family members, or you know, why did you want to become a police officer? Um, it was as simple as I wanted a job where that was a bit exciting. I considered the military, but um, I didn't want to be. Um, I didn't want to be sort of posted around the country. That was a sort of a big blocker for me. I didn't want to be told where to go, where to live, um, to go to deployments and things like that. I, I didn't want to be shot at, of course. I wanted a job that was that was full of excitement, that was outside, um, and had a sort of sense of purpose about it. And uh, I was actually I was stopped by the police because I was throwing um, we were throwing uh, little mud bombs at each other, dry mud bombs, and um, we were picked up on CCTV. I must have been younger than 15 at this point. I might, I might have been started younger than that. Um, and just got, got him talking to him about the job. And he, um, yeah, he sort of sold it to me. And then later on down the line, I was working at a little chef when I was 16 and we got robbed. Mm. Um, and yeah, I was, I was working behind the till and a man come and he wanted to buy a bounty. And uh, just one bounty. And as soon as the till opened, he, his hand rushed into the till. And I remember I had this blooming 30-year-old um, robber round the neck. I was 16 years old and I was fighting with him in the blooming, in the uh, little entrance area of a little chef. And then he, he ran off down the road and we called the police and then they come out and investigated and we got speaking to them. And I thought, yeah, that job sounds, that sounds interesting and exciting. So it sort of reaffirmed at 16 that that's what I wanted to do. Wow. Incredible. And, you know, <laughs> that kind of experience, did, did that, you know, in, in, a, in a strange way, and obviously a scary moment for, for a young kid, really, but did it excite you knowing that, you know, that's potentially what, what you would be going into, you know, catching people who do bad things to, to the public? Yeah, 100%. That's what it was all about for me when I joined. Um, it was just all about going out and locking up the baddies, basically. It was as simple as that. You know, I thought... Awesome. Thought I could arrest my way to a better world. And then, um, unfortunately, sort of 12 months later, you see him coming back out with the same problems and it's, you realise that it, it, life's a little bit more complex than that. Mm. Right. Okay, cool. And how old was you when you actually joined the police? I was 20. Yeah, just turned 20. Straight in? Straight, was it no kind of, you know, application, recruitment centre? Was, was it processed with that? Uh, yeah, so I sent off the... So I, I just got back from traveling, so I did, um, I did uh, several months traveling uh, with my now wife. Um, we went sort of um, Hong Kong and then Australia and New Zealand um, for several months. And then when I got back, I went into a recruitment agency and said, I want to join the police. Um, so I'm looking for a job that would sort of give me skills to take through the application process. And they found me a job for a uh, organization called Centrex, which back then was like the police training, uh, specialist training company, kind of what the College of Policing is now, I think. Um, and I just worked in HR there. Um, 
So yeah, sort of got some experience and got some good contacts there. And when the application opened, there was a guy who worked within Centrex who uh, helped me with my application form, helped me sort of word it and structure it correctly. Um, and told me what to expect going forward through to the, um, to the interview stage and the role plays and everything. And it just, it just sailed straight through. I was in six months later. Incredible. And, you know, when you first joined the police, did you have intentions of, you know, climbing the ranks then? Or, you know, what was your kind of vision of becoming a police officer? Uh, it was kind of like a Labrador. I just wanted to be outside. <laughs> facing things. That was, that was it. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't actually have any ambition when I joined. And I remember, um, I remember a lad who I joined with, he was really open about it. And he was like, I want to be the chief constable. And I remember back then thinking, well, if you want to be, if you want to, you know, go into management and then go into, go into, you know, London and work in, you know, work in the city or whatever. And um, I was thinking, because given what the chief constable, you know, the money that can be made in, in, in the corporate world, in the private sector. Um, and I remember having that, those thoughts back then, but you don't, you know, you don't really, I didn't air those thoughts back then because I didn't want to put a downer on his, on his dreams. But yeah, my, my, goal back then was literally literally just have a job where i'm outside and i'm chasing criminals around that was it it was as simple as that nice so how long have you actually been in the police force now jamie uh, 14 years so in those 14 years you know what kind of period do you start thinking you know this may not be the career for me anymore or, or in fact you know this business thing is interesting me a bit more um, I went to, um, it's been, it's been through sort of phases for me. So, um, I, I acted up as chief inspector from July, um, 20, I want to say 2018, um, through to January or February, 2019. I was acting up as chief inspector from, um, July, 2018 to, um, February, 2019 I believe or maybe January 29 I can't remember exactly the dates um, and until um, until I'd acted up I was sort of I thought that the promotion path was still the one for me at that time um, but when I'd act, when I acted up I sort of I, I just wasn't very happy in in that role really for, for a variety of reasons that I won't sort of I won't sort of go into Mm -hmm. here but uh, I just wasn't very happy in, in 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 the bare the bare nuts and bolts of it was that you know um and so I decided to I decided to step back down to detecting inspector but about um six months before that I'd started working in the business but about a year before I started working in the business I remember I went to a um I went to a uh there was a free workshop that was on for trading, like trading Forex and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to it and it was from this, uh, from this guy who was from Norfolk. Um, and I knew that there was a lot of, there was a lot of over promising going on and things like that. And I went there, but some of the things that he was saying, Rick just really, really rang true around. Um, he, he was saying something called what he called the 40, 40, 40 plan, mm -hmm. um, which is that you, you work for 40 years, 
for 40 hours, 40 hours a week for 40 years um, to then have to survive on 40% of what you were struggling on anyway. And uh, it, it just, it rang very true for me. It made, it made a lot of sense. And all of a sudden this, this uh, I started doing some research around pensions and all of a sudden this sort of pension, this shiny pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that, you know, we were all told to chase um, wasn't as, as lucrative mm. for me. And it sort of, um, although I didn't, you know, I didn't go ahead with, um, with any of his products that he was selling. Um, it did get me interested in business and I just started reading, I just started reading books. Um, and I was interested in having what then I would have called a side hustle. So back then I, I was just purely interested in, um, having something that I could earn a bit of money on from the side. You know, I knew other office police officers who, who do it, um, who do very well from it. Um, you know, good, good friends who sort of have bits and pieces going on, uh, externally and they get a lot of, uh, reward from it. So I was looking for something for myself. Um, but then it just sort of, it just never really materialized. You know, I, I took, I took a bit of a step with, um, with a friend of mine and we were, we were looking at doing an online um, sort of strength and flexibility coaching program where I was going to do the business side of things. And he was going to, he's just a phenomenal athlete um, and coach as well. But uh, he was uncomfortable doing the, um, doing the speaking parts. Now I could do all the business sort of side of things and, you know, I could, uh, I could have leveraged mum's marketing skills um, back then, but, what I couldn't do is narrate all of the flexibility videos. So it never really got off the ground. Um, and then it sort of led naturally into sort of going into the family business, which until that point I've never really considered. Hmm. Okay. So, so at this point you've obviously had a bit of a change of heart about your potential future in the police, which, you know, a lot of, a lot of people go through. Um, and then you start to attend certain events that's um, kind of, you know, resonating with you and the things they're saying about working, you know, for the duration of your life, um, which you really didn't like the, the idea of that. Um, and you think about going into business with one of your friends, um, but then decide not to. And you mentioned the family business. So before we talk about, you know, the family business, um, I'm going to say, you know, talk about what essentially um that is you know what kind of um, products do uh that does the family business sell um what would you pitch to someone if they said what do you do uh sustainable digital growth as what we worked through with satna the other day so so that's what we do we we grow um businesses digital visibility online mm -hmm. and we do it via a range of methods amazing and, and what's the name of the company uh, it's Lilac James. Fantastic. And, and you know, tell us a bit about a, a, a bit of a past about Lilac. How long has it been running, operating, the size of the team? Sure. So um, mum was, like I said, in a corporate marketing career um, nine years ago. And she, um, for a variety of reasons, essentially we, we had a, my um, eldest niece, who was sort of my mum's first grandchild, had a bit of a health scare um and nearly died when she was a baby and i think that just caused mum to have a bit of a reflection on you know what she was doing driving 
an hour and a half each way to work and, you know, spending a lot of time stressed out of her head down there. And she decided to um, form a lifestyle business. So that's exactly what Lilac Jones was when she, um, when she started, she was a marketing consultant. Mm -hmm. um, and she was working about 20 hours a week from her little cottage uh, in Great Paxton. And she was, um, she would grow vegetables and raise chickens and just have a nice relaxing life with her dogs at home. And uh, from there, it just sort of organically grew. Mum's quite, a, she's got quite a busy mind. Um, she's got too much of her mum in her. Hopefully she'll listen to this and <laughs> that. Um, but she's got a busy mind. So she gradually, gradually sort of organically the business grew, but not really sort of for a good few years. Uh, she then got her first office and started to develop what she started noticing when she was doing a lot of the consultations um, with her clients was that a lot of them needed to gain more exposure on search engines. So she started learning around search engine optimization and going to sort of training and seminars and uh, webinars and all of this other stuff. And then of course, there's no official qualifications in SEO. So a lot of it is just um, learning by doing um, and sort of testing and measuring your own results and adapting and, you know, keeping up with the times and it's, it's quite intensive. Um, so she developed a specialism there and also around social media management and paid advertising as well. So um, advertising on paid platforms, Twitter, YouTube, uh, not so much YouTube, but Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and such like. Incredible. And you know, what, why did you, why did you go and decide to join mum in business? You know, was there a reason for that or was it just, you know, that was something kind of that piqued your interest? Well, um, so I've been doing a lot of reading about business anyway. So I, I when I used to sort of go and go and visit, I always used to ask how's business going? Um, all the time that was you know standard sort of conversation back then and uh, I remember once I took the kids around to visit and we we're having a cup of tea um, out the back and she had back then what she would have called a number two um, and this girl was very good and mum was you know thinking that they could sort of grow the company together and then all of a sudden she got 28 days notice and this uh, this girl bounced and I think at the same time as well, mum was going through a breakup and um, she just felt very alone with it. And she was telling me that she felt very alone with it. And, um, and uh, I just said, well, I can come in and, and help you out. Um, and it was, it was as simple as that. So at the time, you know, I was only really thinking of um, coming into the business to get experience for myself help mum out sort of steady the ship get her and the business into a better position and then take that experience and you know bring it into something else so i wasn't it wasn't expecting uh, it to it to go where it has but um since i went into the business yeah we've we've gone from strength to strength and i really enjoy it and uh, can't imagine not being involved in it now really Absolutely amazing. So you've, you've obviously, you've decided to go into, you've stepped up your, your, your mum's number two has, has left the business and um, your mum's going through a, you know, a time in her life where she's split with someone. And as a son, you've, you've stepped in, you've, you've, you've actually um, decided that you're going to help mum to, to get her goals. Um, what kind of problems 
you know, did you experience when you started working in the business or, or what problems did you discover when you went into a business and started operating in it? Um, so I remember it was, you know, day one was your typical day one stuff and, you know, getting all your, getting all your, um, access and, uh, passwords and all of that sort of side of things. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I've always been a sort of numbers guy. Um, so I remember saying, you know, you know, what's, what's the score with the finances, et cetera, et cetera. And I found out that there'd been a, um, there'd been a bookkeeping issue um, a little while before, which had caused, essentially mum, it caused mum to think there was more money in the business than there was. So she'd then taken some decisions that she otherwise wouldn't have done, mm. which had less, led to the business being um, overdrawn. Um, which isn't, you know, it's not unusual. That's not unusual for businesses to, mm -hmm. to you know, to, to to be overdrawn. I've now, I now know, um, but uh, it was something that I wasn't very happy with at the time. I certainly wasn't very comfortable um, with it. And uh, so we were in, we were profitable back then, uh, mildly. But I also then knew that it only would have taken a, the loss of a couple of um, couple of medium-sized clients to make us unprofitable and too many months being unprofitable well, only a few months of being unprofitable would have been unsustainable given the overdraft mm. um so it was sort of a precarious position to to be in that you know i wasn't very i wasn't very happy with at all so i said okay well how many how many clients have we got in our um pipeline and you know the answer was not many um, so literally week one, I was like, okay, how do we find new clients? <laughs> what do we do? Um, <coughs> so, um, so we started a direct mail campaign, which is something that's worked for us, uh, really well in the past. And that was, that was it. My first sort of few weeks was, um, creating a list of targets to, um, direct mail and to follow up with LinkedIn communications. And then, um, two two three weeks in i read a sales book which was i can't remember which one it was one of grant cardone so mm -hmm. um but i read one of those books and literally started calling people um and i think i think we sent about 40 letters and i bought one client on board which i think for a complete novice who'd read one book i'm quite happy with that <laughs> that's amazing uh, okay so you've you've gone into you've you've gone into mum's business now you've discovered that by looking through the numbers uh, there's been a mistake that the bookkeepers made um, and based off that your mum's made decisions in the business um, you've also discovered that it's not as profitable as you would like and really you're one or two clients away from you know being unprofitable um, what revenue is the business doing when you when you enter it oh I couldn't uh, I think I think the revenue was about 250 um, but the, yeah, the, the profitability wasn't as, uh, wasn't particularly high then I can't, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to pull the numbers up, but yeah. the, the revenue was about 250. Great. Awesome. And how many of you in teams? It's seven, uh, seven in the team, but, um, the, there's sort of several part-time workers. So it's about five full-time heads. Fantastic. And, you know, going into, you mentioned sales, um, straight off the bat, you know, what was your role going into? Because you're on your first day, you've got your password, you've looked at the numbers. Do you make your decision based off the information you found to go into a specific role or 
you know, how did you decide on the role that you wanted to do? Uh, just sort of fell into it, really. I think going in, the the thought process was that I was going to be one one of the doers. Um, you know, so the thought process I think was that I was going to be, um, you know, uh, doing the SEO and doing the Facebook campaigns and things. What we soon found was, um, Mum was and still is, and it, it comes it comes as part of how the business has organically grown. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a really great book, I'm sure you've read it, called The E-Myth. It mm -hmm. talks about working in your business rather than on your business. And yeah. that's, that's exactly the problem that, that Lilac's had. Because mum's goal when she set up the business was to increase time with the family and quality of life, etc. Yeah. When she's filled up her hours to 40, she doesn't want to put those extra 20 in to do the business development side. Um, so a lot of the business development, a lot of the systemizations and, and things, um, weren't, just weren't getting done. So we sort of recognized that quite early when I was in there and sort of identified that the value that I was adding was really in the business development, not getting sort of mired down in the, um, the delivery for the clients. Incredible. Okay. And with regards to, you know, um, you know, you picked up the phone and you, you actually, you read one book, you actually sold um, one of your packages for the first time. What, what did you actually sell? Was it SEO package? It was, yeah, it was an, it was an SEO package for on a, uh, how many, six or nine months, nine months it might've been. Um, right. It was uh, closed for 3000 um, pounds. So yeah, it was a good, it was a good sale. Amazing. It is a very good sale. And, you know, did that give you any perspective? Hang on. I've just spent, you know, five, 10 minutes on the phone with someone. I've just closed a 3000 pound sale and I, to earn that in the police, I'd probably have a month's work. You know, how, how did, what kind of shift did that give you from a mindset perspective? When I was looking at, do, at, at sort of doing business education, mm -hmm. um, to sort of expedite what I was doing, it was that sale that made me think, shit, if I can, if I can make a 3000 pound sale of reading one Grant Cardone book, what am I going to do? How many sales can I make with 12 months of training, mentoring, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and it was, it was literally, it was literally that, that simple for me. So that's why the, you know, I've never been a particularly frivolous person. I don't throw, I don't throw money away. Mm. Um, but it was, it was literally that simple. It was a case of, I've made this sale with knowing very little, but just a lot of effort. Um, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with 12 months of investment in my own personal development in this stuff? That's, that's, you yeah, know, it's, it's a great point, Jamie, you know, you're, you're a leader in the police. Um, you've obviously gone into your mom's business now and you've took kind of a leadership role and you've, you know, you said, you know, how far can I take this with business education? And to me, that's a powerful trait, humility. You know, how important for you and the company um, has, you know, how impactful has humility been for you on your journey so far? Would you say it's something that other leaders should develop? Or um, do you feel like people need to wake up to the facts? What's your thoughts around that? Humility is massive for me. I, I think, you know, some, something that I see um, 
time and time again is th people thinking that they know better because they're they've got a more senior position or et cetera, et cetera. And I, I, I'm a true believer in that you should recognize the expertise of individuals uh, and be prepared to learn from anybody. Um, <laughs> but for me, I, I knew, I knew when I went into, into business, that I didn't know anything about it. I knew how to lead teams and I knew how to, um, I knew how to, I knew how to increase performance, but that was all in a very policey context, you know, and I was, I was, I was confident in my own ability to be able to learn and apply. Um, but you've got to, you've got to take that time to learn. You know, I, I, I didn't achieve what I did in the police by, you know, I, well, I achieved what I did in the police or what I have in the police mm. by consistently investing in my own education in my own time mm. um so in business i saw that as no different absolutely no different incredible um so you're you know lila james um you know your mum's been in business for how long so how many years sorry uh, it's nine years or maybe ten now nine years it's been operating maybe 10 and you help businesses with sustainable digital growth and you sell seo packages and digital social media packages you know who would you say is out of all the businesses out there is there kind of um you know is there a typical customer are they global are they do they have teams above 10 or above a certain revenue point what is that typical customer for you uh Typically, a, a, a company that we work with would have would have a turnover of between three hundred thousand um, and twenty million. But we have other customers that turn over fifty million plus. Um, we have uh, international clients because international SEO is you know quite a big uh, obstacle for companies to overcome, particularly when they're looking to like break into a country uh, or come into the UK. Um, so we don't work with specific industry, um, but yeah, generally, gen well, generally industries where um, who need need a sustainable digital presence, really. Mm. Okay, and what kind of problems do you reckon, you know do you think they they face? Is it is it just no social media presence, or is there any other problems that by speaking to your customers you start to uncover? In the SEO sphere, um, generally that they're they're not being found. They have no idea why they're not being found. They're being uh, their competitors are being delivered over the top of them, and because of that, are winning their business. Um, they're more visible. If you're more visible, then you you're more found. If you're more found, you're getting more traffic, and more traffic is more customers. Um, mm. And this is you know we we just help our clients with. Um, structuring their websites and creating content in a way that sort of maximizes their opportunity of being found online. Um, and SEO, it's, it's a very, it's a very difficult space, I think for clients to navigate because many, many people will say they can do it. Um, and our experience is that not, well, many people who say they can do it can't or can't do it very well um there's a lot of people who have studied it but they may have stuck they might have studied it uh two three years ago in quite a lot of depth and been quite up to date two three years ago but times have changed and things have moved on so they're using outdated techniques that are likely to land you in trouble if you sort of deploy them nowadays um 
so th there's a lot that needs to be done around sort of keeping on top of things and that's the same if um company a lot of bigger companies that we're working with now will have their own marketing departments and um, they might have somebody who had an seo background but they've come into a marketing department they've you know they've given their seo knowledge to to the company as would be um expected but they're kind of their development then in seo stops so that's that's the big problem even if we get many companies coming to us saying well our seo position was fantastic now we've had this new website and all of a sudden it's gone we don't know why it's gone help you know and these we sort of we get quite a few um quite a few cries for help really um going through a redesign of a website can be a really dangerous time for a company particularly if they rely on seo for um for a for some portion of their custom uh some portion of their sales um redesigns of website can essentially reset the clock if they're not sort of managed correctly so um, we actually work with a lot of web design companies as sort of an advisor on these big web projects to make sure that not only do companies maintain their SEO presence, they then build upon it with the new website because that's what a new website should deliver you. It should be able to build upon your, your SEO expertise. Mm -hmm. And in the social media side, um, generally people don't know what to put out. They don't know what, they don't know what attracts and engages their audience. Um, they, um, they, they, they don't know what to post. They don't know how to grow their following. They don't know how to engage and entertain their following. Um, and they don't have the time to do it either, um, consistently because that's, that's what it takes. It takes that consistent, um, attritional sort of effect, you know? Um, so companies often have the decision, well, do I hire someone? But if I hire somebody, I don't know. I don't then have the skills to oversee them because I don't know if what they are doing is good. Um, so th yeah, these are just sort of a flavor of some of the, the some of the issues, but they, they can vary, but in, in a nutshell, that's, that's, that's it. Mm, interesting. Okay. And you know, I'm, I'm very interested in, you know, Lila James has been around for, for a long time. Um, you've identified these problems with um, the business um, and you kind of inserted yourself into a team that's already been pre-established before you came along what kind of you know what kind of cultural change is that for the business like you you're a, you're a new guy you're the son uh who's came in to to fix these problems um how has that kind of um culture been in like james is it is it has it been tricky or has it been you know uh challenging or what's it been like it's been good um you know me me coming in wasn't wasn't an issue uh, i i don't think for anybody um i think we when i came in we sort of weren't really we weren't really aware of what the problems were at first the problems sort of i started becoming identified um sort of as as we went um and generally sort of it takes having your ear to the ground in the office to identify what they are um so as an example um not so long ago mum was saying that you know with with the sort of increase in the amount of clients that we had she was essentially running out of room in her brain um like i said she's in incredibly um organized and you know can keep so many plates spinning in her brain everyone's got a capacity um so 
you know, I remember I remember her saying something about this and that she had a really long to-do list and things. And we said, well, okay, but if we're going to continue to grow and you're at your capacity now, we need to plan for the future. So let's get some systems in place. So of course, reached out to the to the community and to yourself and, and said, you know, what do people use? What do people recommend? And then we sort of then bring in software solutions and then start implementing those. But then it's that cultural change within the team to get people to actually use the software systems. And then how do you sort of nudge people to get these things embedded? Um, which is no different to, to what we have in the police. The, the police is, you know, really um, strong culturally because it's been going for, for so long and we like to do things a certain way. And, you know, if you want to bring in change in the police, you have to, you have to get around the cultural issues and there's a lot of nudge going on. Um, so I was, I was used to doing that sort of thing. So we just did little things like um, ask Stephen, our apprentice, to, um, to start up the, um, make sure on everyone's computers as they, as they log in in the morning, the uh, Trello, the, the project management system that we're now using, um, is an automatic logon. It just comes up straight away. So it's, it's on everybody's screens immediately. The first, the first thing they do when they, when they wake up, and not when they wake up, when they log on to the, uh, to the computers in the morning. Um, we've also diarized some um, non-negotiable time every week for mum to review the Trello, all the projects. So every week, without fail, every single project and uh, client is reviewed um, by mum and further tasks and actions are set. And then at the end of the week, we check that they've been done and it's just systemized now. We just know that we, this thing will just get, just naturally, organically now be pushed forward. And what that does is it creates brain space. Mm. Uh, so we can then focus on improving the business and improving the results for clients. Incredible. Hey, Jamie, so you've, you know, Lilac, how long have you been with Lilac James now? You, you know, 10 months? Uh, no, well, I was, I was working in Lilac before, uh, before I started in the Shift to Success program yeah. um, for maybe eight months. Um, I can't cool. remember exactly the date when I started. I think it was October, October before I started, maybe. Okay, awesome. So near, near, near eight, 18 months? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Great stuff. So, eighteen months time, um, you know, the business was overdrawn. Mum mm-hmm. was going through a stressful period. Uh, she had a long to do list. Her mental capacity, as we all have, is um, kind of full at that point. Um, the business is profitable, but not really profitable where you know there should be. Um, and also, mum's number two's left, um, and also your pipeline in regards to you know the leads, uh, potential customers that you can have is very slim. Inside this, you know, period where you've been with Lila James, where are you now? Uh, doing great. We've, we've um, so had. Um, I mean, I'm sure you might you might have a lot of these these calls, but um, we had a momentum call in January. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, January this year. So um, it was when I attended the quick start day. We signed up, but didn't start the actual course till the 30th. So we sat down on a Zoom call and you, you gave, I think we had about three hours on a Zoom. And we came away with pages of notes. And um, from the stuff we implemented then, we were, we were 
we were cost neutral, I think in two weeks or something, something like that. It was crazy. We couldn't believe how effective it was. We, so we started turning a corner really quickly, but we had a lot of road bumps to overcome. Now we, we purchased a building in May, um, May 20, 2018. Yeah. So we, we purchased a building in May, 2018 that we then had to refurbish. Uh, the refurbishment costs were much larger than expected, as I'm now told is quite common with building refurbishments. Um, so this, this put quite a lot of pressure on the company's cash flow. Um, but because of the increased profitability, we were able to sort of comfortably cope with that. Um, we then had um, corporation tax sort of to pay, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, obviously, we had the we had the overdraft that we had to claw out of, etc. But that's now it's all done and it's all it's all behind us. So we're now in a office that we own um, that is fully refurbished, that has our own dedicated broadband line because it was always painful every day when all the school kids come out and uh, all of a sudden we couldn't upload or download anything to the internet. They're all you know all on their tablet. Um, so we've got. Uh, all of that sorted, uh, we're out of the overdraft. We're now starting to build a nice financial buffer. We, are, we had our best ever month in November, um, which is likely to be topped in January. Um, and going forward into 2020, we have very ambitious uh, sales plan um, with some revenue targets increases of 60% that we're going for that we've broken down into monthly goals um, and we've got a marketing strategy sort of backing that up so we we're confident that we'll be able to um, we'll be able to achieve those and we're, we're just confident and comfortable now really um, and we're going to really be able to grow into I think phase one was the long the long sort of phase where mum was sort of trying to grow a business, but then also keep it as a lifestyle business. Phase two was um, sort of going into a more of a, um, uh, a structured, um, well, purchasing the building and um, working with working with sort of bigger clients. Uh, and phase three is going to be. Um, yeah, the next phase in 2020, so trying to achieve our 60% growth target and um, seeing what we can do. Because we also, you know, we've, we've got quite ambitious plans to um, grow the expertise and the skills within the team as well. Um, so I'm really excited, really excited for 2020 and beyond. Incredible. And, you know, it's, it's phenomenal what you've achieved in such a small amount of time. You know, cost neutral, there's no overdraft now, so there's no debt, you've got a cash buffer that's building up nicely. Um, what about your, you know, what about your profits? Where are you, where are you with your profits now? Although you was not making, you was making profit, but not as much as you like. What's happened now? Uh, we are based on where we were in the twelve months before shift to success, and in fact, a lot. This was last measured before we'd had our best month. Um, so my last been measured in August but we've got 150% profit increase um, compared to where we were in 2018. Um, so profitability has increased um, dramatically. Mm, that's incredible. And, and, you know, is that solely as a, as a, you know, is it because of the product 
prices you've increased? Is it due to efficiencies you've built in the business? What would you say, you know, has drove that? Is it sales? Uh, sales massively. Um, yeah. You know, we've, um, we're capturing leads far better than we ever, than we ever were. Um, we're, um, making use of the, um, 7 4, which is such a simple concept, but we, we, I've never heard of it before joining Shift to Success. Uh, for those listening, that's, it's just around, it's just around buying behavior nowadays in the internet age. Um, and that people need an average of, uh, seven hours of engagement over 11 touch points on four different platforms before they'll make a purchasing decision. Mm-hmm. And when we've incorporated that into our sales process, um, I think mum has always been really conscious that she doesn't want to be, she hates being uh, sold to. So she's always hated, as we all do, pushy salespeople. And I think, I think the result of that is we've been far, um, far too uh, reluctant to follow up with people. Um, and as a result, I think we weren't, uh, we weren't sort of achieving the sales or we'd been far too standoffish um, and we weren't achieving the sales that we should have been achieving. Um, so we've just adapted and we, we still hold true to that value. We're still not pushy, um, but we do follow up appropriately. Um, we do make sure that we get in front of customers appropriately. Um, and it just made, it's just made such a huge difference. Um, so our sales process now is um, people come in to make contact with the business for one reason or another. Uh, sorry, why one method or the other, whether email or phone call or LinkedIn, it could be a range of social media, it could be a range of different ways. Uh, we capture the lead, it goes into the CRM, and uh, we then arrange a 20 minute uh, fact finding phone call. Uh, there's a bit of qualification as well that goes on in there. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll find out some information about their business and we'll sort of build a bond at that point or try and sort of establish a little bit of a rapport with the client. And uh, if we're a good fit for each other, um, which is something that, you know, the shift success process has allowed us to sort of work out, you know, who's, I suppose before we were just thinking of who are we, who are we the right fit for, but actually it's who's the right fit for us um, is quite important as well, because we only want clients that we can deliver for, Mm. you know, um, a lot of our business comes through repeat business and referral business. So we, we want clients who we can deliver results for uh, confidently. Um, so we then at this point we will go away and we'll do a lot of research on behalf of the customer for free um but we'll do it on the basis that 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 information is presented to them we used to send them this research and we would have no confidence that they understood it um that that it was even read um so if the client is happy to agree that this information will be presented then we'll we will happily do that research um we'll present that information to them um, we can give them some advice that they can either take forward and implement on their own, and if not, we will give them some. We'll give them some sort of prices um, that we can go and deliver that on their behalf, um, and then we appropriately follow up. But there's that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. But um, that has been sort of really one of the main the main drivers of um, of the success we've had in the last twelve months. It's um, yeah, it's been quite, 
quite quite incredible really and often we've been i think one of the biggest challenges has actually been managing the growth this year um mm. that we've at times you know we've had to really slow things down because we don't want to um we don't want to overstretch ourselves and put ourselves at risk of not being able to deliver what we should be delivering and what we're capable of delivering for clients so we've had to make sure that the growths happen at the right pace mm. Amazing. Jamie, it's sometimes, you know, hard to, to actually forget, but you know, you, you've achieved, you and your team have achieved all this, you know, you've, you're out of debt, you've 150, sorry, 150% more profitable now, you know, you're growing. Um, I'm assuming mum's in a happier place now as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think, you know, she's, um, she's in a comfortable place and she's struggling, struggling for my words. She's got legacy now, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, and I think that's what she's happy with. She, she, spent, she spent 10 years building a business. Um, and I think it's always been a concern, as it is for a lot of business owners. You know, what happens to this when I retire? You know, I've spent 10 years building and growing this baby, and I want it to be looked after. And business owners have a couple of options when they want to retire, and they can sell, they can close it, um, or they can put a manager in um to to run it and um i think i think now that she knows that she's got so it's going to stay within the family and it can con continue to be an asset for the family indefinitely um you know and that the grandkids can get work there i think that fills her with a lot of pride and a lot of joy incredible absolutely amazing um so yeah you've achieved all this and sometimes it's quite hard to forget and you know for the listeners who are going to listen to this but don't forget, Jamie is not only a detective inspector with a full-time job, he's a husband and also you're a father to two kids, Jamie, right? Yep. Um, obviously, you do your hobbies. You've, you, know, you do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You actually look after your uh, son's football team, I believe, as well. Great Paxton Panthers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, one of the common things you know we hear is that, you know, people haven't got the time to do and grow a business and start a business and and yet, people like you who are doing all these things with a family and with other responsibilities, you know, what advice would you give to those people who, who say they haven't got the time? Uh, if it's important, if it's important enough to you, you'll find the time. Mm -hmm. um, my value number one is time for my kids. So, you know, I, I find time for my kids. I, I, I take them rock climbing. I, like I said, coach my my boys on the seven football team. I do lots of stuff with them all the time. Um, you know, family, family is first for me. Um, but you can find time to, to build a business um, and to build a business that, that, that suits you. Um, you just have to make the time and be disciplined. And I keep, you know, I, I might have been you that said this to me, Alex, I can't remember. Um, you drop so many knowledge bombs on me that they, they, they wash around in my brain now. Um, so forgive me if I'm regurgitating something you've told me. Um, but people always talk about motivation. And now I've, I, I, I think the trouble is with waiting for motivation is you wait for a feeling that you want to do something, whereas that's, that's not what gets stuff done. It's you just got to be disciplined. You create the time. You make a commitment to yourself. This is going to be done here. And then you just fucking do it. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Absolutely great advice. Um, 
Jamie, what kind of skill sets do you believe you've transferred from the police into this, you know, profitable and growing business? More than I thought. Um, more than I thought I would. Um, you know, the the ability to um, read people. Mm. Um, I think police officers become very emotionally intelligent because when you're, you know, when you're going to these incidents, you know, it's been a long time since I was a street cop, but when you were going to these jobs, it's why I think it's still a good idea that we all start on these streets because when you go into these jobs day in, day out, and you're sitting across that interview table from people day in, day out, you, you read people very well. And, um, I've been in, um, been in situations where you can sort of, you're, you're explaining something to someone and sometimes people feel uncomfortable saying, I don't really understand what you mean. Um, for a variety of reasons, but you can sort of read it. I don't know. I've, I've just found that it transfers from the interview table when you're then speaking to a prospect or a client or whomever that, um, you can you can add real value because you can sort of almost interpret um what people are thinking i don't i don't know if this is a police skill or if but i I think it is i think it's something that i think it's something that we all have and um negotiation as well Uh, having difficult conversations um we do that every day in the police we have all these difficult conversations we we also we sell more than we think we do Mm. we sell all the time you know you want to persuade the big guy who's off his head to stop fighting you're you know you're you're selling (laughs) Mm. you know you're you know you we're always negotiating and selling and persuading and influencing all of these things are really are really key in business um and from from the sort of leadership side um is massive as well i think you know how do you how do you organize a team how do you get the best out of a team um how do you motivate a team how do you um how do you systemize um and all of these things i never really understood um why uh, sort of well not why we did them i understood why we did them in the police but i didn't understood understand i suppose how broadly applied those those skill sets were before mm. I started applying them outside. Incredible. Amazing. And, you know, since you've you know been working in the business and building this business and sorting out the problems in the business, what would you say has been some of your key highlights in your, in your journey so far? Um, that first sale, that was, uh, that was a good one. Um, did you do a fist pump? What happened? What, what, what happened? How, what emotions did you feel when that, when that first sale came through? Oh, it was a right buzz. I got, I mean, you can't see me, but I've got a big grin on my face right now thinking about it. <laughs> so, um, I remember cause at the time we were, um, we were looking for the new building, the new office, and we were outside a building that we didn't purchase in the end. And, um, I went to mum and she said, um, she said, Oh, um, such and such they signed. And I just remember, you know, literally jumping out of my skin just being like, Oh, you know, I just couldn't believe that we'd, uh, well, the, within a couple of weeks of starting, we've managed to sort of have that win. And it does feel good. It feels good when people put their confidence, trust, faith in you to, to deliver, to deliver for them. They could have chosen anybody. They've chosen you. It's great. It's a great feeling. Mm. Any more, any highlights you've, you've, uh, yeah. Purchasing the building, moving into the building, um, 
we uh, secured um, a really high recognition client. Uh, sorry, yeah, high recognition client a little while ago. Um, now that felt great because although I wasn't in the presentation, um, we were in a competitive process with um, uh, two or three other agencies, and um, I we hadn't yet then had our sales day, and I so I reached out on the group uh, to James and I said any advice on presentations because I said mum's delivering one at the end of the week and really really want this one because it's a sports client and I'm a big sports guy um, and um, he said uh, I'll call you so he rang me and he gave me some one-to-one -one advice on the phone for about 45 minutes I suppose and uh, just dropped some real golden nuggets and we took those sort of little nuggets uh, applied them the very next day because he rang me. I think he was on his way back from uh, a meeting or something. So it's like an evening phone call. Uh, the very next day we applied them, uh, which was simply and it was, again, it wasn't it, none of it. None of this. None of it is rocket science. It's just about doing the right things in the right way. And um, it was about speaking to the client and saying, um, "What do you want to achieve from this pitch? You know, what would an exceptional pitch mean?" Um, for you, if I was to walk away and you would say, I've got everything that I needed, what would, what would that look like? And just to understand what that is on their behalf um, so that you can go and then try and fill those gaps. And there's nothing wrong with saying to somebody, you know, what do you want to get from this? But we don't do it. And I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why we've never thought to do it. There was a, there was a lot more to it than that, obviously. But um, we did that. And yeah, they signed before we'd even left the room. So um, that was that was a really big win for me. But um, there's mostly it's just been, you know, there, there have been sleepless nights. Um, there have been difficult times. Um, but I think the most rewarding and satisfying thing isn't sort of a single moment. It's, it's more sort of looking back and seeing the journey sort of where we've, just where we are now really and and the excitement i think of where we can be if we keep going incredible and you know how are you feeling now you know you're still working in the police currently um and we won't go too much into that but how are you feeling from a from a mindset perspective you're achieving all this you know amazing wins in such a short amount of time um you know what kind of mindset shifts have happened for you from you know looking at the police and then now looking at what's happening in, in in the business is it you know is there is there because i believe that police officers should be paid way more for the work they do and yet in business you know typically business owners do um does that make you feel any different about you know the value skew from the roles you have in the business to being a police officer yeah i think um you know mindset wise for me you know i'm in, I'm in a great place i'm i'm really quite um really quite content um at the moment um in terms of yeah the value, police officer should be paid more just without without a doubt mm -hmm. um policing is just incredibly complex isn't it and i think <clears throat> almost what's been a real relief in the business is when we have an idea and we want to implement change we can just do it when you have a good idea and you want to run with it, you can just run with it. There's no loops to jump through. There's no authorizations. There's no, there's no one saying no for 
you know various reasons or if you want to pick up the ball and run run through a wall you just run through the wall um and and that for me has been like quite liberating um and uh i I understand there's reasons that you can't do that in the police because it's it's a huge complex environment and there's you know, there's all sorts of legalities and then there's national regional commitments and there's, you know, tri-force commitments for Cambridgeshire and there's, there's, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why you can't just get up and do and things have to be slower and more considered. But um, for me, that's been, it's been, it's been really nice in the business side of things, just being able to do. Amazing, amazing stuff, Jamie. And, you know, you've mentioned that you're excited about the future now for, you know, Lila James and the business. Um, is there anything you want to uh, achieve within the company, you know, within that vision? In terms of the sort of the, the, the future vision where I want to get to sort of in 12 months, we're looking at that 60% revenue goal. I think that's entirely, um, that's entirely achievable. Uh, and I think it's also entirely likely that we'll smash it. Um, so cause we were discussing at the time, you know, is that big enough? Um, mm. You know, sort of we wanted to make it big enough that it's achievable, but not too small at the same time. You know, there's a sort of funny balance, isn't there, with when you're setting goals. Um, but in five years, um, you know, mum's going to be looking to semi-retire. That's, that's the plan. She'll be um, <coughs> 60 in five years. So um, she's going to be looking at semi semi retiring then, um, and sort of moving into more of a um, um, a chief operations officer sort of role. So she'll be overseeing the ops, um, and at that point, I'll be looking to sort of bridge into um, in more of the business management side. Um, so actually, the 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 full running of the business at that point um, is sort of the, the the loose plan that we've got at the moment. But you know things change, and that could be quicker or later. Um, but at the minute, we're just we're sort of taking it we're taking it day by day, and we're seeing we're seeing sort of how things how things progress. Amazing, and you know I always like to finish off with this with this question, um, Jamie. But what does entrepreneurship mean to you? Uh, for me, it's literally solving problems, um, but it's solving it's solving problems that, um, that ultimately people are willing to pay for, I suppose. Um, but I, I, since starting this process, I'm a big believer in in the power of entrepreneurship, really, uh, and the power of. I, I know that people have always spoken about, you know, the free. I've always heard the arguments about, you know, the free market being able to solve all the problems, and you know, the free market will solve climate change, and the free market. And I've always thought it was um well i've always been skeptical about that really but actually now you know you start to look at things like um waste management for example we've got a waste management client um phenomenal entrepreneurs who sit on top of this um business and you can see how they're really passionate about waste management and about how bloody important it is and um how they're actually really just solving problems and that the success that they have had is because they're just solving this huge, huge problem that humanity faces, although they're solving it on a national basis. Um, they're solving these massive, massive problems that humanity faces and they're so passionate about it 
and that's why they're um, they're reaping the rewards, or the company's reaping the rewards it does. Um, so yeah, for me, entrepreneur entrepreneurship is literally just solving problems that are important to people, and it's it's as simple as that. Jamie Stenton of Lilac James. Now, for a limited amount of companies, Jamie and his team are happy to conduct a free marketing review covering your SEO, social media marketing, and paid campaigns on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Google. Now, if you're interested, then all you need to do is reach out to Jamie at jamie at lilacjames.com. That's jamie at lilacjames.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.